0: So at events like NAFSA and all of the other conferences we have referenced in our conversation today, it's a great opportunity to engage with the people who do the work, to celebrate the people who do the work, and to encourage others to participate in this entire process because it does take all of us uh, to move this sector forward to help future generations of students study abroad and get those incredible outcomes that we know exist within the education abroad field.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of World Stride's inaugural podcast, Changing Lives Through Education Abroad, a weekly series of conversations with international education's most interesting thought leaders, as well as discussions on emerging trends, best practices, and innovation happening in our field. I'm your host, Zach McKinnis. Senior Director of Campus Partnerships with World Strides, and I am so excited about today's conversation. Today, we'll be recapping the 75th annual NAFSA Association of International Education Conference in Washington, D.C. that just wrapped up. We'll also take a look ahead at upcoming international education events and discuss tips and tricks for making the most of education abroad conferences. I can't imagine a better person to discuss this topic with than my friend, Dr. Maureen Manning, Vice President of Strategy and Insight at The Pi. Maureen is a mainstay at international education events, as well as an international consultant, presenter, and keynote speaker on global education and culturally responsive leadership. In her more than 25 years in the international higher education space, Maureen has worked as a doctoral chair, professor, teacher trainer, and professional development facilitator across the United States, Asia, Australia, and Europe, modeling best practices and strengthening intercultural competencies to promote diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, and belonging. In addition, Maureen has also facilitated many student, faculty-led, and adult international tours and exchange programs. And trust me when I say this, you want to get on one of Maureen's tours. I am so excited for this conversation. You do not want to miss this episode. Maureen! Welcome. Thank you for being here.
0: Zach, thank you so much for having me. You know, I, I'm so thrilled to be on this podcast with you. You know, I'm a big fan of yours in addition to being a friend. Uh, and this is a conversation that you and I have often about making the most of conference attendance as we are both sort of veteran conference attendees. And so how do we make the most of that attendance and also maintain the joy we have in going to conferences. So I'm excited to dive right into this conversation with you.
1: Thank you so much. I know we're going to have a lot to talk about over this next hour. So could you start, Maureen, by describing your current role at the Pi to us?
0: Sure. So I'm the Vice President of Strategy and Insight at the Pi. And at the Pi, our backbone is a news media brand, and we exclusively cover the international education sector. And that's from K-12 to university. It's leadership across institutions, across organizations worldwide. And so a lot of my focus is that North American presence and really connecting with stakeholders here in North America and being part of that thought leadership, putting our ears to the ground here with our team in U.S. and finding out what the latest trends are and then bringing that out to the rest of the world. As well, not just reporting on the News Act, but also being part of that conversation.
1: So well said. You know, I continue to be impressed by the the service that the PI provides to all of us as international educators. And and a big part of that is is because of you. So thank you. And with that, let's get into it. So I'd love to start by recapping the week that many of us just had uh, in Washington, D.C. for the 75th Annual NAFSA Conference. I like to think of NAFSA as the one week a year where I get to spend time with 10,000 of my closest international educator friends. And this year in particular, I was reminded by how lucky we are to work in such a dynamic space. We are truly never bored, international education. And so, Maureen, in your view, what was buzzing and trending this year and what inspired or inspired you?
0: Yeah, great question. So. Definitely the theme of being NASA's 75th anniversary was ever present throughout the entire week and, and, and even in the weeks and months leading up to that. So there was that celebratory feeling that seemed to permeate throughout the conference with what with a milestone book that chronicles the journey of the organization and the many celebrations that were hosted throughout. But there were content trends as well. And as the pie is a media organization, we had our ears to the ground and as I said, we not only listened to the voices of the stakeholders regarding the latest buzz, but also we participated in those thought leadership sessions. So, for example, our CEO, Amy Baker, facilitated an engaging panel on Africa during a breakfast briefing with leaders from 8B, Wes, Power. It was a dynamic session and, and people were discussing it all week. Clearly, we need to have more discussions on engaging African students and also the funding and the equity piece that goes along with that conversation. Another example of this, act is on the last day of the conference, the Friday morning at 9.30, I co-presented with Jewel Green Wynn of Tennessee State and Kim McGrath of UNLV on the transformative power of story circles, UNESCO's story circles, and their role in active listening and in strengthening intercultural competencies. And after a week of sessions, networking, expo hall exploration, and the many receptions that we all attended, we were wondering how many people are really going to show up on the second to last session of the entire conference. But I'll tell you, we were absolutely thrilled. We had 50 people in our session. It was interactive and participants were able to participate in those story circles with their table mates. And I'll tell you, they were lively and engaged from the moment they walked through the door. And I'm still getting LinkedIn messages even, even this morning about the impact of that session and, and how, you know, people are bringing it back to their or intend to bring it back to their workplaces this week. So I think that's testament to the deep engagement that stakeholders in the sector have and their desire for continual learning and human connectedness that comes with gathering in person for conferences.
1: Couldn't agree more. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. There's, there's something special about being in a room together with fellow travelers in international education, isn't there?
0: Absolutely. Nothing yeah. can replace that, Zach.
1: Agree. You know, one silver lining, shall we say, of the pandemic, Maureen, is that there are now a lot of new voices in the room here at international education. How are you seeing the field and our approach to our work evolve?
0: As someone like yourself who attends many conferences throughout the year, one thing that I absolutely noticed at each event I attended this year is the record number of newcomers. So whether it was at December's ARC conference in L.A. or March's Forum on Education Abroad in Seattle or just last week at NAFSA in D.C., Conference organizers have been reporting huge numbers of first-timers, and that's really heartening to see. And I mean, you see it on the badges, first-timers, and and the numbers really follow that. And one aspect of the field that really concerned me during the pandemic was the number of people leaving the field, particularly at the university level during the Great Resignation. And I was really alarmed, as many of us were, about what this meant for the state of the field long-term. But that really seems to have leveled off. And I'm hearing many more conversations about the importance of mentorship and how stellar mentorship programs can help attract and maintain staff. And I think we're really starting to see uh, a lot of that engagement with first-timers, with early to mid-career level folks. And it's always, always heartening to see. And I always make sure that I try to, when I see that first-timer ribbon on someone's badge, to welcome them to whatever conference I'm at and really encouraging them to keep coming
1: back. You know, I think what you said was was really insightful. That was a through line for all the conferences that I was lucky enough to attend this year is that there were so many newcomers. You know, in many ways, the past academic year is, is the year of the newcomer in international education. And you know what, I'm here for it. I think it's great.
0: Well said. I'm here as well. Bring it on. Yeah, Bring it on. <laughs> the more newcomers we can have to our field, really um, will help sustain our field and help grow the next generation of leaders in our field.
1: Here, here. And, you know, as our field is complex, there are always so many ideas simmering. What are some ideas that you think will bubble to the surface in the year ahead? So,
0: AI is a huge conversation. Uh, in fact, I can't remember a conference this year where it wasn't highlighted in some form. Um, in fact, there's a piece in the Pi News today incorporating stakeholder feedback on predictions about the extent to which AI will disrupt our sector. Uh, and leaders spoke with me at recent conferences about how their organizations incorporate AI and both the challenges and opportunity that it provides. And, of course, one can't have a conversation about AI without considering the ethical implications inherent in that dialogue. So I think that will continue to be uh, a topic of conversation for uh, not just this year, but a long time to come. Uh, sustainability is also another big topic and with leading associations signing on to the candidate Accord, mm-hmm. this conversation will also likely be ongoing and ever-evolving. And of course, I think the visa process, student work rights, pathways to immigration, OPT, visas for dis- dependents, those topics will continue to stay top of mind in the year ahead.
1: Yeah. So, AI, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, you know, we are fortunate as international educators to have multiple professionally oriented events available throughout the course of the year. Thinking through the lens of education abroad in particular, marine could you please talk to us about the types of conferences that exist and what makes each one unique?
0: Sure. I'm always happy to frame anything with an education abroad lens because that is my own personal background as well. So of course, the first one that comes to mind is the Forum on Education Abroad, as well as its many events, symposiums, webinars, in addition to its annual conference. And I know that you and I are both personally thrilled that it's here in New England next spring um, at the Sheridan in Boston. So that's a perfect opportunity to participate in the conversation, to learn about new trends and current policies and what's coming down the road education abroad. And I think one thing that um, Melissa Torres and the entire team at the forum does extremely well is the advocacy piece in which they're involved. Um, They were really at the forefront, along with other organizations, about the third-party guns that came out earlier this year. And their their advocacy work is tremendous. So um, they're really on the cutting edge. So that's the first conference that comes top of mind. I'm also going to give a shout out to the PI Live event Zach, particularly another one that's coming up in Boston. That's November 13th and 14th. It's at the Park Plaza. And Leadership from Education Abroad will be part of our engaging panels and discussions and networking opportunities. And one thing that I particularly love about the PI Live conferences are the way in which the panels are curated. So we select pressing topics that are on top of mind for our stakeholders, and we curate the panelists to speak on that topic from across the sector. So you've got your SIOs from universities, CEOs from service providers, leaders from IE, EA, EdTech, you name it, and from countries across the world. So there's diversity in thought, organizational diversity, and geographic diversity. So it makes for a truly authentic and exciting dialogue.
1: Excellent. And uh, thinking about our um, conversation earlier, about newcomers. I also think NAFSA regional conferences are another fantastic way for, in particular, newcomers to, be, to get involved, get connected, and to professionally develop.
0: I couldn't agree more. And uh, one thing that I really appreciate about the NAFSA regionals, and I'm excited about for our own region this year, is when they combine too. So it's great. You know, we, we tend to be really involved with the folks in our own region. But when you're combining with another region, it just it expands that opportunity to connect with those just outside your regional area. So I'm excited about the uh, 10 and 11 regional happening in Montreal this, this fall.
1: I know many of my colleagues uh, here at World Strides are jealous that we get to go to Montreal this year, and I'm so yeah. excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Most, if not all, offices out there have a set budget for professional development and conference attendance. When thinking about which conferences to attend, how would you suggest folks prioritize their opportunities? For example, what would make someone choose Form over NASA or decide who from their office should go to each of these events?
0: I would say that's where data-driven decision making comes into play. Uh first, if you're looking into different conferences, check out what those conference outcomes are. As many of the conferences list those outcomes or intended outcomes on their website. Um, also, if you went last year, review what your deliverables were, what was your ROI, and then have honest internal discussions about who might be the best fit to attend each conference. Is there someone who can speak on a panel or present, et cetera? It can be a difficult decision because there's value to so many of the outstanding events across the sector. Another thought might be to vary conference annually. So maybe it's NAFSA this year, the forum next year, et cetera.
1: I think that's a good best practice is to to switch it up every now and then. You know, some conferences have a narrower and deeper focus than others, and there are benefits in lots of cases, as we just discussed, to attending a regional conference as opposed to a national or even an international conference. Talk us through how we can not only make an informed decision about where to dedicate our time and funds, but how these considerations can intersect with our own career goals, where we hope to learn deepest and how we can implement what we learn right away.
0: So those takeaways and those outcomes that we were just talking about, those are key. So when I'm looking at a conference program, I'm looking at the sessions, and I'm, I'm obviously looking at attending those that are going to be the most attractive to the sector so I can report back via the Pi News with the latest trends and insights, especially because not everyone can go to the conferences. So I want to help amplify the messages heard throughout these events as you well know, I am a big fan of the selfie. So I always do a selfie board. I try to do one every day. And I love capturing photos of my friends and colleagues across the sector.
1: You, Dr. Manning, have truly perfected the art of the International Education Conference selfie. You know, you've made it in this field, listeners, when you wind up in one of Maureen's photos. And so I I love what you said, you know, talking about, looking at the schedule for a conference well in advance, and identifying the sessions that aren't to be missed, and then building everything else around that. Because that's something that I've struggled with over the years is just overbooking myself when it comes to meetings and not being able to go to as many sessions as I'd like to. Like, for instance, last week at NAFSA, I think I made it to one session, unfortunately, because I those things were just very busy. And so, you know, most conferences, Maureen, have some less structured time that is built in for intentional networking. How can attendees best strategically use that time uh, in particular for those of us who might not be natural extroverts?
0: You know, think about maybe pairing up with a buddy to go to a networking reception with them. It could be a colleague in your own organization or it could be another colleague from a different organization because it's great to have a wing person if you will, to attend receptions, especially if they can introduce you to new colleagues in the sector, especially if they happen to be the extrovert in your pair. And if you don't have that person, that's fine. I'd say, don't be afraid to go alone. We're a friendly group. We are eager to engage with new faces. So if you are newer to the sector or you're going to a reception or an event alone, approach any circle of delegates and surely they will happily open up the circle and you might just meet your new conference bestie you never know i have had some really fabulous conversation with people who have become lifelong friends at events where i you know really didn't know so many people by just going up and engaging them asking them questions um fortunately we you know we all wear a name tag so you can see who it is where they work and strike up a conversation and if anyone out there in your listening community needs a conference wing person Zach I know they are more than welcome to reach out to either one of us um, and we'd be happy to take them under our own wings so the conferences are all about connections and we've all had people in our careers who have made connections for us so it gives me great joy to give back to the sector. And if I can make connections for other people, I'm always happy to do so.
1: Absolutely. And, and I love what you said there. You know, you know, I, I certainly don't consider myself an introvert. Uh, that may not surprise our listeners today. Um, <laughs> but as an extrovert, I love to adopt, shall we say, introverts, especially for a networking event and, and kind of help them, you know, navigate a room and meet the right people. So I love what you said there. I know there's many of us in this field who are alike. You, you and myself, in terms of that. So, we're a friendly bunch, as you said. You know, you touched upon this earlier. The best way to approach a conference is to go in with some goals. How would you suggest our listeners set themselves up for success in terms of goals?
0: So, I think some of that happens with internal conversations within your own organization in advance of the conference. When you've decided that you're going to go to this conference, whether it's you by yourself or you with a group of colleagues. Um, And at a conference like NASA, I have to say, it is extremely helpful to have a team with you because it's a big one, over 8,500 delegates. And I I don't even know how many sessions. So between the sessions and the meetings and the networking and the receptions and all of the events that happen throughout the almost week long conference that is NASA, it is helpful to have that team. So having those pre-meetings with your team and deciding Based on you know what your goals of the organization are, really dividing and conquering because it is a it's a big massive event and sort of all hands on deck. I know is is the rule of thumb for many different organizations. So um, looking at what you hope to gain out of that event and in the different categories and coming up with some clear objectives, some deliverables. Is it meeting new potential partners, or is it attending certain sessions or having conversations, interviews with folks, learning about latest trends and and being able to report that back to the others in your organization who are back in the office. It really depends on what the unique goals of individuals and organizations are, but having that clear set of goals that is articulated within the rest of your team is going to be helpful. So you have a clear plan when you're going into that conference. You know what to expect and you know also what's expected of you. And I think that's going to be really helpful when you come back to report back to the team.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, beyond meeting partners and attending sessions, there are ways to dig deeper into the possibilities of of an international education conference. How would you encourage our listeners to go beyond, such as by volunteering and presenting? And what are the benefits to that that may be less obvious?
0: So volunteering, that's a great way to get involved and to give back to the sector. So for a couple of reasons, you you know, you mentioned um, ideas for those who not, may not be as extroverted. Volunteering is a great way to get involved, sort of a low stakes for someone who may not know as many people in the sector and are keen to gain new colleagues and learn more about organizations. And I know organizations are always looking for people to help at registration, to be session hosts, etc. So that is a great way to give back that can give benefit to the organization itself, to your colleagues across the sector, and can help with your own personal network as well as, well as your own personal fulfillment and your joy of being at that uh, conference because you get to engage in that conference in a different way than a typical delegate. You sort of get a BTS or behind the scenes view of that conference in a way that not everyone does. So that's an exciting way to get involved. And it also helps lift up that sector. Something that we talked about earlier is really giving back It helps sustaining the sector for the long-term. So you also mentioned presenting, and that's of course another great way to give back to the session. We all have our unique gifts and our lived experiences and our expertise. So sharing that expertise and that passion about a topic of interest is another way to lift up the community. Uh, so what you say during a session may well resonate with someone else in that session or m- multiple people, and it may be deeply impactful. And sometimes you don't know the extent of the impact that that has. Often you will you know, after the session as you're chatting with people, but sometimes it's, it's like that ripple effect. You don't know how deeply impactful that may well be for folks. Um, but I, I guarantee you, it makes a difference. And I also guarantee that you will leave with new knowledge and perspectives because the attendees at the sessions are often just as eager to participate in the dialogue. And so that's why I think that interactive session format are highly popular
1: brilliantly put, as always, my friend, you know, I I, you know, I can't recommend presenting enough to our listeners. You know, it, it may seem daunting and, and you may feel as if you have nothing to talk about, but I guarantee you that's not the case. As Maureen said, we all have something special we can share. And, and oftentimes when you present, it makes it much easier to make a case to your supervisor or employer about the value of you attending that conference. Oftentimes presenting is the only way for many of us to be able to attend. On a related note, many of us are in a position to report back after the event to others in our organization. What are some ways that we can really set up ourselves to leave a conference with demonstrable outcomes?
0: As I said before, having those conversations before the event with your team, whether it's a team that's going to be staying back at the office or a team that's on the ground at the conference with you or a combination of both. Ideally, it will be both. Uh, so that you're all clear on what those goals and expectations are. For a conference like NAFSA with so many delegates, it, it's great to have a colleague or two there to, um, to sort of divide up what some of those pieces are. We can't go to all the sessions, so if you go to this session and I go to that, we can get together afterwards and really share those key takeaways. So that's helpful um, because the conferences, as you know, they're fast and furious, so I think you really need to be careful about taking good notes, whether it is recording voice memos on your phone, or writing um, on your notes app, or however you best get information down in a quick and easy way. You will thank yourself later by taking the, you know, five seconds it does to just write a quick note. And often I'll write a quick note on the back of um, a business card that, that I exchanged on what that key idea was that we talked about, or if there's something that I need to get back to or send a link to this article or whatever mm-hmm. our conversation was about. I just write a really quick note. I always have a pen on me or um, I'll put it on my voice notes app or I'll add it to a Slack channel dedicated just to my notes on uh, the conference. You, listen, we all think, oh, I'm definitely going to remember <laughs> Zach and I yeah. talked about this. I can't remember what we talked about. I just remember, oh, there were spices. It was, the the spice is right. You know, you remember like certain things, um, you know, stand out, but then you, you know, you look through your notes and you say, oh yeah, that's right. We talked about this. And I know that our next conversation is going to be about that. So that when you do that follow-up or when you're reporting back to your team, you actually can have a better recall about what those conversations are. And that will make your, own experience that much less stressful just by writing those few notes so whatever your best method of writing down a recording is do it in the moment you'll thank yourself later
1: you know it took me so many years to figure that tip out maureen you know then then i just started using the notes app on my iphone to just keep track of all the conversations i had during the week and and i can't tell you what a what a godsend that's been in in terms of a follow-up and being able really to just um continue some of the great conversations that I have.
0: It's so helpful. And if all else fails, go through your photos on your phone, <laughs> the selfies that you took and like, Oh, right. I need to get back to Zach or whoever it is. Go through your selfie board. And that's a helpful
1: I love the start. selfie board. Absolutely. <laughs> so just one more question for you, Maureen, as we begin to wrap up here. So as you think about education abroad and international education in general, in 2023, what makes you hopeful?
0: There's a few things that give me a tremendous amount of hope, and I really uh, sent them this past week in D.C. at NAFSA. And one is about the fresh new voices in the field, uh, those newcomers. And, and this isn't exclusive to NAFSA. As we said, we saw it at the forum, saw it at you're seeing it at conferences. All year long as we emerge post pandemic, we're seeing these new faces, hearing these new voices. And what gives me hope is their engagement in the conversation. So I am incredibly impressed by the, the earnest nature of these conversations, the uh, folks that are early and mid career who are really participating on conference committees. They're getting involved. They know that it's important and even if they're getting just to know their own job, they're, they're not afraid. Nothing is holding them back. So I'm really excited about this new generation of future leaders that we have in the field. As well, I'm always, always left with hopeful messages when I engage with veterans in the field with so much expertise and so much passion and seeing someone such as some of the awardees at the uh, NAFSA conference, you know, like let like Sharif Barsoom and in getting the Distinguished Service Award for NAFSA, someone who is a veteran in the field, who has been doing the work for a long time and giving back. It, it's just so inspiring. It's so hopeful for me that, you know, even with all this experience in the field, it, these people are giving back. And they're setting a great example for all of the rest of us in the field to get engaged, get involved, because the opportunities for volunteerism, for advocacy are many. So there's so many ways to get involved. So, you know, two opposite answers, but both the newcomers and our, um, you know, those tried and true veteran experts in the field always, always inspire me.
1: Well, you know, our field is really made up by its people right so whether that's whether that's all the newcomers or the mid-career folks or the veterans you know it's it's, it's the people that make us special
0: i'm so glad you said that because somebody said this over the weekend i, I don't remember who it was but i heard it in many you know different types of contexts but you know we often talk about the work that we do in the field but less often about the people who do the work so at events like NAFSA. And all of the other conferences we have referenced in our conversation today, it's a great opportunity to engage with the people who do the work, to celebrate the people who do the work, and to encourage others to participate in this entire process, because it does take all of us to move this sector forward, to help future generations of students study abroad and get those incredible outcomes that we know exist within the education abroad field.
1: Well, I can't imagine a better place to end it than right there. Dr. Maureen Manning, thank you so much for joining us for, for this conversation. It's always such a pleasure to talk with you. Learn so much every time.
0: Likewise, back, Thank you so much for this conversation. Always, always a pleasure to chat with you.
1: And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Changing Lives Through Education Abroad. I'm your host, Zach McInnis, and please make sure to join us next week as we continue to explore topics around international education and exchange. Thank you to my spectacular World Rights colleagues, Lindsay Kelchner and Sarah Kachuba, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Please subscribe to Changing Lives Through Education Abroad on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends and colleagues. Let's create life-changing moments together.